Welcome to Stuff We Love Podcast. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Stuff We Love Podcast. I am your host, Scott, and I am happy, honored, and excited to be joined by three of my close friends. You've heard them before on the podcast, and they are back again tonight. Let's go around the table here. I'll start randomly. Let's go, uh, let's go in alphabetical order here. So that would be Dean. Dean, welcome to the show. Yes, it's the only way I can be put ahead of these two fellows uh, is alphabetical. I'll take it. Coming up next, we have Nick. Nick, how are you? Doing great. And then Paul. L-M-N-O-P. Last but not least, the wonderful Paul. Guys, it's great to be with you tonight. How's everybody doing? Doing well. I can't complain. It's a great night, Scott. It's a fantastic night in sports. Fantastic night. The listeners will never know you had to pause the podcast for five minutes while you figured out the alphabetical word. <laughs> to what? Well, while you have to figure out our alphabetical order. We, we, oh, we, no, that actually, little, I, I didn't that little break that. you took in between. No one's going to yeah, know about Honestly, that. I really needed to think about it. I haven't had to put stuff in alphabetical order. Especially since time. Nick doesn't have his name on there. <laughs> That's true. I need still to be Zoom now and I'm not seeing. I think we all need to wear name tags next, uh, next uh, recording session. The sad part is I was trying to figure out if you're going by first name or last name and then realized uh, the, the order once you went. Um, uh, you didn't go to Paul first. <laughs> so I'm going by a number thought. of times at the boathouse. Oh, well, you would be first on that list, I think. But Could uh, be. Could be. I'm, clo- I'm close behind. I'd be dead last. I've been there once. Number of alcoholic drinks had in Disney World is another way. Uh, oh, that'd be a race. I, mm. <laughs> I may have you from my last visit alone. <laughs> I think that's probably true. So, uh, guys, here's what I'm thinking for tonight's episode. I would, uh, I thought we'd begin by talking a little bit about my recent summer trip to Disney World. Not really a long trip report uh, for reasons we'll get into, be, uh, get to that in a minute. Then we cover some recent Disney news stories and then maybe just talk about some stuff we love, which is really what this podcast is all about. Um, the reason I said it would be kind of a short trip report is because a lot of what I would talk about if I was giving a full report is a little repetitive. If you've listened to the podcast for a while, as I know so many of you have, you've heard me talk about much of what I did this summer on previous trips because I repeated a lot of stuff. But I wanted to just give a couple of highlights, and I actually made some notes before we started recording here. And the first thing relates to the fact that on this trip, I was at, for our listeners, I was in Disney World for six nights, August this year, staying at the Riviera Resort, which is where I stayed last year. And this is the first time I really use the Genie Plus service. Now, Dean, you've used the service. Nick, did you use Genie Plus? I, I don't know. No. And I, have, Paul, I don't I, think I've been there since they launched it. Okay. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in the same boat. My last visit was 2017. So it was well in advance of Genie Plus. Right. The main thing I wanted to say about Genie Plus is this. I'm sure you guys know that in the fine print of Genie Plus, when you read it, Disney says... Users may get an average of two to three additional attractions per day. Okay. So when people discovered this was in the fine print, they went crazy. They couldn't believe this. They said, if I'm paying $15 per day per guest and I'm only getting on two or three attractions, I don't, that's just not right. It's not fair. So here's what I realized on this trip. Some days when I used Genie Plus, it was a tremendous help. And I got on multiple attractions by, let's say, the end of the morning, like at the Magic Kingdom. You could get on Small World, Jungle Cruise, parts of the Caribbean easily just by the end of the morning. It's really at Hollywood Studios where that two to three day thing kicks in. And I'll tell you why. The day we went to Hollywood Studios, I did a Genie Plus for Mickey's Railway. That was like nine in the morning, right after opening. So we get to Hollywood Studios, we go on Mickey's Railway, and the way it works is that when you scan in at the attraction, as soon as you're done scanning in, you can book your next Genie Plus, even while you're still in the shorter line that Genie Plus gives you at these attractions. So you're waiting in the queue to load or whatever, you've got your phone open, you're booking your next Genie Plus, and then you put the phone away. Exactly. Uh, so there's you... a handful of attractions I have two scan points, and True. if that's the case, you got to wait till the second one. Yes, and I think Mickey's Railway was one of those, actually. Yeah. When I look back on it. So when you hear people talk about how much they're on their phones during Disney trips, this right here is the perfect example of it because you're always thinking ahead to the next attraction. So anyhow, it's Mickey's railway. We get in bright and early. We're scanned in. I take out my phone to try to get a slinky dog reservation thinking I'd be able to get it for maybe 10 o'clock hour, 11 o'clock hour. The next available time was seven twenty in the evening. 
Okay. So we were not going to be there that long. We didn't book it. We didn't ride Slinky Dog on the trip as a result of that because I didn't want to wait in line for the uh, the wait time, whatever it was. You were but right there, what's that, Nick? You said you were boycotting the ride. It's just I. It was not really an option for me based on the schedule. So if I wanted to ride Slinky Dog, I'd either have to stay the entire day or leave and come back, which is easier said than done. So right there is how it could only work out to two attractions per day. If you wanted to do Twilight Zone, Tower of Terror, or Rock and Roller Coaster there was greater availability. And I highlight those because those are still pretty big attractions. But if you want to do Mickey's Railway and Slinky Dog, chances are you're going to have to make it a whole day event. And right there is how it's a two attraction experience. And I wanted your guys' reaction to that. Okay, I, just, go ahead, I just Googled how many rides per park at Walt Disney World. Okay. And it came up with 173. I don't think that's right. Doesn't sound right. It says there's 41 at Magic Kingdom, which is why you'd have so much availability. 42 at Epcot. That does not seem right at all. 46 at Animal Kingdom. Are they counting the animals? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then it said 17 at Hollywood Studios. And that's what I was going to say is that's the amount of rides per park, for, uh, there's so much less at Hollywood Studios, which is why yeah, the availability that... just disappears immediately. That list sounds like they're listing all attractions, which if you're counting like every single clicking on this trail or, you know, everything, then I could see that. But not all of those things are on Genie Plus. No, definitely not. And the way to do that, Scott, is you have to rope drop one of those rides and Genie Plus the other. Right. Yes. And that's that's, that's when we were there this summer. That's what we did. We rope dropped. I think it was Slinky Dog and got the Genie Plus for Railway. And, you know, you're going to get through the attraction quickly enough if you rope drop that you won't miss that opening window, even though you had the 9 a.m. block. But it does get a little stressful. You kind of want to go ride the ride that you have the Genie Plus for and figure, hey, I'll just book the next one. Right. But you're right. There's certain the attraction that I saw that happen to a lot where it, if you didn't grab it first, it bumped out to seven o'clock at night was Jungle Cruise. Oh, yeah. That was wildly popular this summer. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Did, and did you go on Jungle Cruise? We did eventually. We rope dropped it one morning. I had a great skipper on the Jungle Cruise this year. Absolutely amazing, which changes the whole thing. It really does when you have a great oh, skipper. It does. It does. It does. But that, that, that to me, Dean, harkens back to the, the grand old days of Paper Fast Pass, where you would go and your party would head towards, let's use Magic Kingdom as an example, your party would head towards Big Thunder or Space Mountain, and you'd send someone else to the other attraction with your, your Key of the World card to get the fast passes for the other one. So as everyone is walking towards Space Mountain, I am running through Frontierland and I'm getting the fast passes. And then I am running over towards Tomorrowland to meet them right in front of um, Space Mountain with fast passes in hand, probably at that point, because we rope drop for let's say 10, 15 a.m., 10, 20. Um, so by the time we're done with Space Mountain, hang out, maybe ride Astrobiter for Dean, <laughs> who can't ride because uh, it's the most I'll terrifying ride of all of Walt Disney World. I'll um, set that one out, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it was one of those things, you know, you're right. I think that that's become the go-to strategy if you're going to use Genie Plus, that mm-hmm. you, get, you queue up for one of the big ones, the headliners, and you reserve the other. All right, I have a more accurate uh, accounting. Magic Kingdom has 23, but they're including like the uh, riverboat and everything. That's a ride. I give you credit for that. It's a ride, but you can't genie plus it. Yeah, Epcot Mm -hmm. has nine. Hollywood Studio has nine. And Animal Kingdom says nine, but they're listing uh, the one that's uh, torn down. Um, oh, uh, primeval world. Primeval world. Oh. <laughs> they're, they're listing that as an attraction. What's the date? <laughs> it's weird because they have um, guardians listed, so it can't be that old. Yeah, they just haven't updated the the, tour, the teardown list yet. It's Tron listed out here. No, stop. <laughs> Spring of next year. So, oh. anyhow, I wanted to bring that up just as a point of reference for our listeners, something to keep in mind on their trip planning. And another one of the things I wanted to say kind of related to Genie Plus is I did two lightning lanes on this trip. I did Rise of the Resistance and Flight of Passage. Now, Rise of the Resistance, I was up at 7 a.m. 
I was booking it for two people. Okay. And the first one I could get was two 30 in the afternoon. So they do really go quick or go quickly. What's the proper English? I should know that. <laughs> but anyhow, um, was a pretty smooth experience. Didn't really encounter delays, but I understand the frustration that so many people feel about getting up so early on their trip. I love Disney. I look forward to my future trips, but when you got to get up after being up late the night before at seven to book a ride for two 30 the afternoon and to pay for it, it's, it's a weird thing. Let me just say, it's a weird thing. Now, Scott, when you booked that for two 30 in the afternoon, when you went to book it, did it say two 30 in the afternoon? Oh yeah. That was, it was not like I had a ton of choices. Uh, when I went to, we did the same. We, that was the one lightning lane we did this summer. Yeah. We, we, the individual lane, we did uh, rise of the resistance, went to book it and it said 11, 10 in the morning and it was for three of us and I bought it. And when yeah. we got the confirmation, it was two 20 in the afternoon <laughs> and that, that happens. Um, you know, if you really want to screenshot it, you can kind of go talk to guest services and they might help you. We didn't really care that much. So we just took the two 20 timeframe, but right. Just to let people know that time can change from what you see in the first window. Now, Paul, you had a look on your face as I was saying it's a weird thing talking about lightning lane. What's your reaction? Well, my reaction is I don't sleep. So it's not going to bother me getting in late the night before. Um, Not for nothing. The parks are only open until nine anyway. So the the days are gone where you're in the park until 1 a.m. and you get back to your room at two. Um, And I think, Scott, what you're talking about is you can book your lightning lane starting at 7 a.m. Correct. Um, the day of and not before. And you don't have to be in the theme park. You can be in your resort hotel. You can be in your car. You can be anywhere. I did uh, it uh, laying in bed. Yeah, you, you could do that. At 7 a.m., I've had one coffee and I've taken approximately 100 pictures of the resort that I'm staying in. So <laughs> I'm not going to bother me at all to make right. my lightning lane at 7 a.m. But your mileage may vary. There, We did a trip in, I think it was 2010. Magic Kingdom was open till 3 a.m. I closed the park out and I was up and ready for breakfast the next morning at six. That's impressive. Took like an hour, hour and a half nap and was ready to go. You know, who sleeps when they're at Disney? Yep. You and me. I I remember vividly. I I actually closed the park on Big Thunder Mountain. So I left Magic Kingdom approximately 340. Um, And then it was maybe a 10 minute walk to our place at Bay Lake Tower. And I was up bright and early with the sun around 615. I just, I just wake up. So when we vacation together, you guys will book the lightning lanes. (laughs) Although I will say I was out late two nights on this trip. The first Halloween party I went to, which was August 12th, I guess. And then the magic kingdom was open late for deluxe resort guests one night. And actually just a side note for the second time this past year at Disney world, while there for a uh, extra evening hours for deluxe guests, I saw a guest and her child being turned away. And in this case, the guest berated the cast member. Uh, well, not to, didn't cur- she cursed the guest cursed with F frustration. Didn't call the cast member names or anything, but it, it's tough on these cast members, you know, to, to tell someone they're not allowed in because they're not at a deluxe resort and they're there with their kid wanting to, it's just, it's, it's tough. It's a weird thing. I, I, I see both sides to the argument, but seeing it firsthand, it's hard to see. I got to be honest with you when you're on your vacation um, and flight of passage. I, I really don't remember what time I got. I thought that rise of the Resist- resistance was maybe worth the money more than flight of passage. I've been on flight of passage a bunch now, so uh, I don't know, but that's just a personal thing. Uh, the, the next point I want to make deals with what I, I had, what may be the best breakfast I've ever had in Disney world. Okay. That is at the Riviera Resort, Topolino's Terrace. Okay. Now, Nick. I was going to say, if you said Boathouse, I was going to get off the call. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I did go. I could talk about Boathouse if you like. But no, this is a breakfast at the hotel and it's a character meal. So it is pricey. I, I think that maybe per adult, it was like 55 bucks or something like that. What makes this unique is that the waiter said to us right from the start, that it's like going to a cruise ship. And if you've been on a cruise, you know, you could go to the dining hall and the main dining room and order as many entrees as you want. Here, you pay the flat fee for whatever it is to be in a, the, the cost of an adult. And you can order as many entrees as you want. You just got to order them up front is what I was told. So I got a bagel and smoked salmon, eggs, potatoes, bacon, um, 
my wife got a whole bunch of things. We tried tons of stuff. And the waiter encouraged us to do that. He says, yeah, order whatever you want to try. And then they bring you, as soon as you sit down, this amazing bread basket with croissants and muffins. And it's in a, what looks to be like a painter's equipment, like a bucket and stuff like that. It's really fantastic. Great food too. Very high quality, much better quality to me than other character breakfasts I've had, like at Ohana and Chef Mickey. Uh, trying to think where else I've gone for character breakfasts. I suspect at Ravello at the Four Seasons, the food is very good. I just haven't been there for the, the character breakfast. So Topolino's Terrace, 10 out of 10 on the breakfast. I can't wait to go back. It's good to know. I mean, my favorite character breakfast remains Crystal Palace. But again, this is 10-year-old knowledge. Um, mm -hmm. But I mean, just the character interactions, the way that they have the, um, the tables makes it very easy, particularly if you have young kids. The sight lines are great. Um, I like Winnie the Pooh in characters and the food is great. The, um, the cheesy potatoes are the best. Yes. Um, but yeah, and, and not for nothing, they let you in the park early if you have an early ADR. So, you know, that, that was always one of the things that, oh, park opens at nine. We have an eight o'clock morning breakfast at Crystal Palace. So we get to saunter down Main Street empty and take all those awesome pictures with PhotoPass. Just kind of like, I'd love to take your picture. Please stop by. Right. <laughs> what characters are at a character breakfast at the Four Seasons? I think it's Goofy, Donald, so they Pluto, have maybe Disney characters. Yes, it's an official Disney okay. character right. breakfast. It's just not really like Scrooge McDuck and like and, other. And there was Lindhart, like... Glomgold, yeah, um, <laughs> Alonzo from the uh, the the Love Bug, Mister. <laughs> Uh, uh, Mr. Banks from Mary Poppins. Yes, definitely Mr. Banks. I didn't know it was an official Disney. I, I, Some lady just dressed as Winter would come out and say hi to you. No, it, it's the characters that are in Times Square. God. <laughs> I just Elmo, the the one that curses you out when you take his picture? They a were reminder. the ones that were cursing that they couldn't yeah. stay um, for the party. To refresh your memory, gentlemen, even though I've never had a character breakfast at Ravello, I've been there for breakfast, and that's where the famous bacon incident happened, where I do they dropped the, the plates near me and immediately appeared a plate of bacon. They know who you hang out with. Nothing wrong with that. That's right. It's respect. Uh, let's that see is what good stuff. That should what be other? the way you apologize to someone is with bacon. I agree. <laughs> By the way, when you go to a restaurant and you order bacon, do you order it crispy? I'll eat it just about any way it comes. My wife wants it crispy. Mm -hmm. It really depends. Um, it yeah, because I know what you mean. It, nothing nothing worse than getting that bacon that's actually fatty ham. Yeah. Um, but I'll eat it. But yeah, I mean, it, typically here in New Jersey, if I go to diners, they have it cooked correctly. Um, going to Walt Disney World, getting it crispy is a little tricky because the uh, Walt Disney World bacon is so thin you can see through it. Yeah, she's um, made me go back several times and say, can you cook this a little longer? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I get it. You know, I, I, I personally like bacon that when you pick it up, does not wilt. And actually, there was just one other thing I was going to mention about my Disney trip, because I really mean it when I say a lot of it would have been repetitive. And that's for the first time I saw a concert at Epcot as part of the Eat to the Beat concert series. Now, I'll give you one song title and I'll tell me if you could guess it, okay? Sailing. Easy. Christopher Ooh, Cross. Christopher Cross. Christopher Cross, the man himself. Saw him in concert. And it was a great show. He did five songs. I heard that he went off stage, came back for the next set, did the same five songs. Oh, really? Uh, he sounded great. I think they all do that. I think that's kind of like an eat to the beat thing. I think that there's yeah, three I, shows per night. And yeah. It I think it's part of the contract. It's it's here's your five songs. You can do one that's new. You can do one of your big hits as the encore. And then the right. other three or whatever, but yeah. And we, while we were waiting online to get into the venue, we bought a pretzel over in Germany, had it while we were approaching the uh, theater right across from American adventure. Just a, a pretzel. Seat. Yeah. I didn't get a beer. That's How can a you Germany. Eat just a pretzel. That's a Germany fail right there. Uh, These pretzels is. are making me thirsty. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. I mean, the beer I cart no is right there. The beer it's, cart is right there. I wanted to be sober for Christopher Cross, okay? Be the I, only one. Nick, Eddie, that's excellent looking bacon. Yes. 
we're looking at pictures while we're recording the episode just tell our listeners what's happening uh but anyhow it was really a lot of fun it's something that i think would enhance anybody's disney vacation so i would tell our listeners that if they happen to be going down to epcot when there's a concert series going on maybe you want to time into an artist that you like there were a lot of really good artists there for the eat to the beat series like uh like christopher cross who really is a great artist and you got boys to men 98 degrees hoobastank was there for 90s rockers um and a bunch of other people i just it's escaping me right now so that is the eat to the beat concert series and i had a great time it's usually a better lineup than the spring concerts yes the fall ones you get a little bit more name brand in the fall any questions about the trip comments you book your trip scott Oh, well, no, I'm I kidding. It. I'm kidding. I'm completely kidding. <laughs> well, I have to respond to that now that you asked it, which is that I use adventures out there travel for, as I often do for my uh, for my trips. And I say often because it's pretty much most trips I'm headed down to the theme parks and I use your services. And Dean, you were my agent and uh, uh, Paul, you're an agent for the uh, company as well. So I encourage all of you to reach out to Dean and Paul. You can't go wrong. I am. I'm actually excited. I'm currently investigating a trip to Disneyland. Um, looking at good neighbor hotels and actually shocked and amazed at the pricing for four nights, <clears throat> excuse me, four nights, um, including park passes um, at a resort hotel right across the street from Disneyland. Good pricing. Yeah. I mean, when I tell you, uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm so used to Walt Disney World pricing that seeing uh, four nights accommodations plus park hopper tickets for five days for less than 1400 total mm-hmm. is fantastic for walking across Catella or Harbor Boulevard and right. going directly in. And I think um, somebody mentioned some of the good neighbor hotels are actually closer than staying at the Grand California. Mm-hmm. If you want to go to Disneyland. That is true. Which is like, wow. Well, on that note, I guess we'll talk about a couple of uh, Disney things before we get to the uh, stuff we love segments for tonight. Uh, They're bringing back after hours over at Disney world. That was a big announcement. Again, if you've listened to stuff we love podcast and uh, listened to the butter bacon podcast, you've heard me talk about these at length. I love them. Uh, They're wonderful evenings this time, instead of being animal kingdom and magic kingdom, which is what it was before the pandemic, it's magic kingdom and Hollywood studios. They've announced extra evening uh, after hours events for, I think through April or May, I suspect they'll be extended well beyond that. And uh, can't wait to go back to this. I like the change. I think it's a good idea. Yes. Hollywood Studios is perfect for an after hours event because it's so tough to get on all of the attractions there with the crowd levels at Hollywood. Hollywood Studios, by the way, books very early. You could be planning a trip months out and Hollywood Studios would be completely booked. So are you guys going to ever take advantage of the after hours? Do you see that being something you do? I think if I went more often, I would, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it, I, I see it a little bit like the opposite of lightning, lightning lane, that if I went more often, I wouldn't use it. But if I went more often, I would go to more of the after hours, more of the parties, more of the um, ancillary things other than just doing the tried and true. Right. Um, I mean, I get the benefit. It's the same reason that I enjoyed going to the Halloween party and the nuts and the Christmas parties that we would actually go, yes, we'd enjoy the parade, the cookies, the candy, but we would go to ride the attractions with no weights. Sure. Dean, Nick, any interest in the after hours events? You know, I'd like to say I'd be interested, but I had them available for me this summer and didn't go at all. So uh, it'll be driven a lot by who I'm on vacation with and knowing my normal travel party. Right. I don't think I can get them to stay up that late. Uh, knowing that we typically wake up really early. Right. That's another so, consideration. That's a great point. Scott, I had a whole thesis, but I was on mute. So, Well, now that you're off mute, can you tell us what the thesis was? <laughs> I think it would just depend on the park and what the offer is. Because I love the Halloween party, the Christmas party. But the after hours, if it's just the rides, I don't know what it would be. It's the rides and you get free popcorn, water, and soda and ice cream. So I don't know if that's... Uh, you know how much popcorn, water, and soda I would need? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. At those prices? Like, we're, we're not talking about a free dessert party because I can I can eat some ice cream. But um, 
Yeah, that's, I mean, I went to AMC on my birthday. I got a free bucket of popcorn and a soda. What movie? Avatar. Oh, how was it this time? It was, I, it's funny. It's the first, um, I took Grapes to go see it. She loves Avatar. She's loved Avatar since she first saw it when she was like maybe 10 or 11. Um, I think I've talked about it before, if not on this show, then on Butter and Bacon. When they released the Blu-ray for that, they had a family language track where basically they just took out curse words. Hmm. So it took the PG-13 movie down to PG. Um, and so she has seen that movie for about six or seven years now. This is the first time seeing it in the theater, let alone an IMAX, let alone an IMAX 3D. Mm-hmm. So um, she was off and, for the and all the all the F bombs. Yeah, and they upsampled it. They they remastered the movie in 4K. So it is. It looked gorgeous. You know, there were some people that were like, "Oh, how is the 2009 movie going to hold up?" It holds up better than half the movies I've seen. Um, it's amazing. They had a three minute scene from the new Avatar movie coming out in December, um, "The Way of Water." It looks like a nature documentary. Wow. It is, it's astounding. And, you know, but for me, the best part was looking over and seeing my daughter's jaw drop Wow! Um, for a movie that she's seen easily 30 times on her own. Um, But to see it in that situation, in that setting with the 3D, as James Cameron kind of envisioned the jaw dropping visuals and the middling script. um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it is what it is, but yeah. Did you find it ironic that you bought it on Blu-ray? No, I can't choose what color laser I use, Dean. <laughs> it just works so perfectly for that movie. Uh, one other Disney news story I wanted to talk about, which is the 40th anniversary of Epcot. Uh, there was a basic, basically from what I could tell on the YouTube videos, a line for merch and a ceremony at the theater where I saw Christopher Cross. Does that resonate with what you guys saw? And the I think there was a cupcake. There's a couple of oh, things at the space, light show at night. Spaceship Earth had a special. Yes. Some uh, people. Yeah, for, for two nights, and then people started complaining that they stopped showing it because, A, it's a light show and sound. Oh, that's the other thing. They changed the music in the, um, right, uh, yeah. in the Spaceship Earth surroundings to the old school style music. And they opened up Horizons, but you had to have a, yes. a boarding pass to get them. You had to get in Lightning Lane. And yeah. still nobody got in line. Just like um, the old days. You know, it's weird because when Disney World itself had their 50th anniversary, I heard so many people talk about Epcot's 40th and how they hoped that Disney would do a better job. If you remember for Disney's 50th, there were really crazy merch lines and it was kind of chaotic at the Magic Kingdom. So there was so much focus on the 40th. And honestly, despite these things that we just talked about that were done for the 40th, it really wasn't that much. Uh, it's almost like Disney wasn't interested in doing anything grand for it, which I was honestly surprised by because I thought 40th anniversary of Epcot, it's a, it's a big deal. I have a take. Okay. For us and the super fans and Diz Twitter, an anniversary like four decades is a big thing. For the general population, it's a reminder of how old the theme park is. So Disney has to walk a fine line between celebrating a history and if you bring it up too much, people start to go, well, wait, this park is 40 years old. And then people say, well, what's new? Well, we have the Guardians coaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's fine. But what else? When's the last time you added a country? Right. Uh, I think it just, it, to, again, to us, very important, which is why they do the merch. That's why they do things like the special guests. That's why they have Bob Gurr showing up. You know, that, that part of the fan service, which honestly, like the normal normie general population is not going to care um, that Bob Gurr is there. Um, they're not going to care if Tom K. Morris is there. They're not going to care if, you know, Lou Mangiello is doing a guided tour of the um, garden grill. They're just, it just, it doesn't affect them one way or the other. It's get me on Soren. Right. It get me on test track. It's I have my lightning lane for guardians. Um, yeah, I, you know, it took, so I mean, I understand it. You want the company to celebrate history and have this big grand extravaganza and be like a month worth of celebration, but it really is only going to be for maybe 20,000 people across the world. Mm-hmm. 
Across the country, you said? Across the world. Across the world. Yeah, yeah um, it's not going to bring them any more revenue that the the merch is going to bring them the revenue. So that's why they pump money into it. And but. that's why they, and not for nothing, the, the merch is something that they can easily do. I mean, not that programming Spaceship Earth is not hard, but it's also not the easiest thing in the world. You know I mean, how many bulbs are on that thing? Yeah, well, exactly. And all of them all have to be programmed and they're paying a programmer and the programmer is very talented, clearly syncing with the music, all of that other stuff. Um, you know, so I'm not discounting the effort that goes into that, but that is a very, quote unquote, easy, temporary thing. I think people are looking back at, oh, the studios had a 10th anniversary and they opened up Sunset Boulevard. Where there was a giant cake castle. That's yeah, I mean, but that's that's ten, that's twenty, that's that's in the past. Do you guys still think forty? Other... Uh, yeah, again, this guy, I just don't think forty is a big deal in general. People. Mm-hmm. It's not fifty. It's not fifty. It's not fifty. Now, if they blow off Epcot's fiftieth, I think people have a real disappointment to express right. there. Yeah, but it's still going to be the same twenty thousand people that are disappointed in Epcot's forty. Probably true. And they blew off Disney World's fifty. Do you guys remember that Sunday when the four of us were watching NFL football, but a bunch of people were at the D23 Expo at the parks panel? And I happened to open Twitter and see this epic meltdown crisis that there was not more announced for updates to the parks. And the listeners felt angry, complaining. They were seemingly near tears. And then I really, I knew this all along, but it brought home something that we've talked about before, which is that. We are the exception to the rule, the hardcore fans. The overwhelming majority of people, not even close, like you just said, Paul, doesn't care. They're not focused on this. They go once every few years, if that, and they just want to know, am I getting on Soren? Can I go on Test Track? And I get that philosophy. Disney really, yeah, we spend a lot of our time talking about it. We've, we've given it, we've, Quite frankly, I spent a lot of money there over the years. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, you know, we're not the, the fan base. And Dean, I remember something you said a while back, which is that at any given time at the Magic Kingdom, over 70% of the guests there are first-time visitors. Scott, I have breaking news. Tell me. Bacon on a wire with deviled eggs coming to Territory Lounge. <laughs> oh, I'm going to have that with a Buffalo Trace? That is breaking news. Oh, that sounds heavenly. They have a popcorn sampler, an artisan cheese and cutlery cutlery, cutlery board. I could spend Uh, a good couple hours with the loaded loaded baked potato flatbread. Wow. Uh, Salmon run, whatever that is. Dean, what do you think? Around 930, 10 (laughs) o'clock? Bacon on a wire. Got to start early. Rope drop that thing. (laughs) Yes. And a bone and brie dish, including uh, roasted bone marrow. Uh, wow. Dean's a big fan of bone marrow. Roasted bone marrow is an underrated uh, spread for bread. And a bunch mm-hmm. of bone, new drinks. Bone marrow is delicious. Is great. Have you guys ever been there? Yeah, it is great. I've been to Territory Lounge, but not. We didn't. We we were only there, I think, for a couple a couple drinks, and then we headed out. It was it was very much a let's stop in and let's see how many lounges we can hit. Roaring Fork is getting a new cinnamon roll. That's the greatest a- name, by the way, of any quick service. Roaring Fork. I wish the food lived up to the name. Meat and potato quiche. Okay. Well, they're getting a bunch of new food. I'm going to have to go. Uh, yeah, usually when we're there, I skip that place, but this stuff looks good. Have to go. It's a must do. They got a meatloaf, barbecue brisket with burnt ends, a cupcake that looks like a bear. But Scott, getting back to your D23 point. Yeah. You know, there's Scott, a lot, there's another it's... thing that I think a lot of this Twitter fails to take into account. Yes, that the majority of Disney fans are not Disney Parks fans. Mm-hmm. The majority of people going to D23 are Marvel, Lucas, Films, and honestly, now Disney Plus. Right. It's bigger than just the parks. And what cracks me up is people that are like, the parks didn't announce anything. They have a new cruise ship. It's the same part of the company. Right. Parks, Resorts, and Experiences has a brand spanking new giant cruise ship that they launched this year. That's the thing. Right. 
and they have announced stuff. They got this, you know, I know it goes back to last year. You have Tron coming. You have the Moana attraction coming. Well, all the changes that they're undergoing in, um, uh, I want to say Euro Disney, Disneyland Paris. Right. Um, the changes they're making in Hong Kong Disneyland. Um, and it needs it. Yeah. It, the, the additions to Disney Sea. I mean, it, it's, it's more than just what are they doing for Walt Disney World? The non-annual pass holders spend way more money at the parks than the annual pass holders. Many of the annual pass holders are locals. They're not staying in the resorts, which is where Disney makes a massive amount of money. They may not even be going to as many restaurants in the course of it. People, I, I really bet that there's people that go to Disney for a week a year that eat in more restaurants on Disney property than annual pass holders do in the course of a year. Sure. They're getting three meals a day. They're over that seven day period. So yeah. it's I'm, I'm not saying that annual pass holders can't want more or hope for more, but I think their expectations are just out of line with reality. The only thing I'll say that I agree with them on is that Universal is doing a phenomenal job with Epic Universe coming out and their turnaround is quicker on how long it takes to build attractions. But the expectations for Disney, I think, are completely out of line. And they and to your point, Paul, they seem to forget that Disney has way more to the company than Parks and Resorts. And by the way, Parks and Resorts are raking in money. So it's- Yes, but they're still only the third most profitable business segment right. of the Disney organization. So it's not, it's, it's not the 80s where Parks and Resorts was the biggest thing. Right. It's just not. Um, I will say about Universal, um, I remember somewhere seeing that in the Orlando market, Universal, somewhere along the, along the lines of 30% of the market share and Disney's like 65. So you kind of got to keep that in mind that it's easier for the smaller, more nimble you know, six resorts, two theme parks and a water and a water theme park to expand than it is the 43 square mile giant megalopolis of Walt Disney World. And if those numbers are accurate, Paul, Disney used to have between a 70 and 72 percent market share down there. Oh, it definitely has gone so down. So they've lost market share, but they have 65 percent of a much bigger market. So they yes. haven't lost revenue. They haven't lost visitors. They haven't lost headcount. It's not a zero-sum game. It's not like the same 10,000 people are going to theme parks and they have to choose whether they go to Walt Disney World or they go to Universal. I mean, Scott goes to Disney World two, three times a year. He's going to Universal for Halloween Horror Nights. True. I mean, it's the same person. He's making a choice. I think Universal in the last 20 years has increased their offerings to be on par in parts with what Disney offers. Um, the resorts, 100%. I mean, and I know Nick will back me up on this. I would stay at Cabana Bay and go to Walt Disney World just because I love Cabana Bay as, as a resort, even without putting the price consideration in, which is considerable compared to an All-Stars. But they're still not, you know, it, it, it is. The market itself is big, big, getting bigger. More people are traveling. More people are visiting Florida. More people have that money. It's they're not. Yes, they may have lost market share, but they're not losing by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, that that's the key point. It's it's losing market share does not equate to losing money. They're definitely up, 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 and it shows in the financials they've reported. Right. Universal does need to step their uh, bacon hanging off a wire game up. (laughs) That'll be covered at the Comcast meeting. I mean, I think you can get it like nine places now in Disney World. (laughs) <laughs> with the uh, addition to the territory lounge. Anyhow, that's just what I wanted to say about the D23 Expo. I think Disney fans got to get their expectations a little more in line with reality here. The only the only thing I halfway agreed on the whole thing was is that uh, Epic Universe is opening. And if Disney wants to have anything to answer to that, when that opens, they needed to start now. They don't need to announce anything, but they need to start something so that it's ready to go if they were going to, but I don't even think they think they need to, I don't think they're worried about it at all. I I mean, you can't, there's nothing Disney would be able to do to compete with a brand new theme park opening up. They just won't. But what they can do is compete in ways that Comcast Universal can't. They might coincide with more, um, you know, and, and it won't be theme park based. 
it's going to be all right well we're going to announce that fantastic four spider-man and deadpool are all going to get released on the same week as epic universe you know like it's it's one of those things it's not going to be something that walt disney world has an answer but disney might you know this is off the topic but um i saw a thing that said that um you know discovery bought hbo and bought warner brothers basically Mm-hmm. Uh, that they're trying to sell the Warner Brothers to Universal, all the film rights and all that. Well, considering they have to that... wait two years because the sale just went through for the one, so they have to wait. Yeah, but... and they're ruining the 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 stock price <laughs> for yeah. Discovery. Time Warner has taken such a hit because they've done such a terrible job with choosing which projects go. I mean, it's just. But could you imagine all those, the HBO, uh, the Warner Brothers stuff under Universal? Bring it. All those. I, I, uh, would, I would welcome a Game of Thrones land at yeah. Epic Universe. Right. I mean, just ordering, you start with How to Train Your Dragon and then it transitions to freaking Game of Thrones dragons. Armchair Imagineering right there, Paul. Can we get a uh, Rick I and Morty land? Can you get a Batgirl land? Westworld. <laughs> Actual Westworld. You can get a ride where you go through all the uh, uh, movies they made that they threw in the trash. Right. <laughs> I'd take a functional Seuss land at Universal, but that's a different issue. That's a different issue. And with that, guys, I thought the last thing we would do on the episode tonight would be kind of a, perhaps a little bit of a bigger stuff we love segment where we talk about a few things, maybe a couple things each, if you had them of things we've been enjoying right now, some recommendations, stuff we love being movies, music, TV shows, books, whatever. Has anybody, uh, anybody have any thoughts on that? Things to add, stuff we love. I'll give you a TV show that we've been watching and it just came back for season three. Okay. And I've always been a fan of classic sitcom. Okay. And, and sitcom uh, is not the same sitcoms we usually get in current market. So when you have the fun sitcom that has the laugh track and Paul hates scripted shows that follow a formula, but this one definitely follows a formula. And it's Call Me I Cat. Do not. <laughs> you, you hate formulaic shows. Uh, but Call Me Cat, it stars uh, Maya Bialik, and, and it's back for season three. And it is not serious, and it's a lot of fun, and it cracks me up, and I can't wait to start watching season three. My wife likes that shit. What network is that on? That Fox. is on Fox. Fox, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Good recommendation. I think, I, th- I think I recommended it when season two came out last year. So uh, at least I'm consistent. <laughs> Nick, Paul, any thoughts? Any recommendations? Paul wants to recommend Andor, which I have not started watching. I, you actively <laughs> read my mind. Um, <laughs> if you enjoyed Rogue One, which again is very, that's a very, it's, it, you get polar opposite opinions about Rogue One. Andor is very much a, this is real life within the empire. Okay. Now there are people that don't like it because it's not lightsabers. It's not the force. It's not the magic and mysticism and, you know, superpowered people and spaceships flying around. I get that. You know, if that's what you, if that's what you want in a star Wars Andor is not for you. Um, and quite possibly Kenobi is not for you either. But I am very much on board with what Andor is doing. Um, I'm a big fan of it. Um, and if I could do a, a really quick 1B, um, I am loving this season of Star Trek Lower Decks on Paramount+. Plus. Oh, yeah. I, always, I haven't um, even started that. I've been meaning to. And, good. I, and, good. And, and I know, and I'll segue over to Nick for his stuff we love, uh, because the two of us always, you know, talk about um, the Star Trek Lower Decks in a check, in a text chat that we have going on um what they've done this season is amp up the irreverent make fun of star trek to warp 10 i mean it is it is so above and beyond there are such deep cuts every scene has something going on that i'm dying it's like i need to stop just to pause and look at what they're doing because you can't take it all in with one view yeah, there's just little things in the background that reference an episode of Star Trek, you know, from the original series that was in the episode for five seconds, and they're they're drawing it into the background, and you have to have a PhD in Star Trek to yeah. 
<laughs> understand and, some of the references. And it's funny, you know, to, to tie it back a little bit to Disney, I think that's what Disney fans enjoy about Disney is those little touches. It's the hidden Mickeys. It's the, uh, you know, it, it's the holy, holy crow. That droid used to be one of the animatronics that was in America Sings or something like that. You know, it's it's those little details. And Star Trek Lower Decks has all of those details. Yeah. Um, and even and if it, you don't get any of the references, the episodes are still great. And it doesn't when matter. You, like, yeah, you then build, when you get yeah. them, it just builds on it when you get the references and what they're poking fun at and stuff. Yeah. So for me, Andor and Lower Decks, which are on Disney Plus and Paramount Plus, respectively. Great recommendations, Paul. Thank you. Nick? You know, one of the things I find so funny is when, like, on a show, when someone will make a comment and instead of anyone replying to the comment, they just cut to a character and they give a look. Yes. I know what you mean. That yeah. was a technique often used on The Office sometimes. So there's a, there's a show uh, on ABC called uh, Abbott Elementary. Yes. And they do it perfect on that show. Every episode, someone makes a comment and they cut to someone else just giving a look. And I laugh hysterically every time they do it. I love that show. This show is so funny. Maybe the, the first use of that, or one of the most popular and original use of that is in the movie Coming to America. Mm. The way that yeah. movie was filmed and edited with the looks and the cutaways was perfect. Yeah. Love it. Great recommendations. I'll give you a couple here real quick. First off, I just finished reading a good book. So it's a book recommendation here. Stephen King's book called Later. Have any of you guys read that? I have he's not. Still, he's still writing novels? He is. And this one came out, I guess, in the past year or so. It's part of his crime series, although there is a horror element to it. It's about... A, a boy who could see dead people. And of course, you're immediately thinking of The Sixth Sense now, and that's actually specifically referenced in the book. But uh, he uh, gets involved with, I don't want to give away too much, but he uses his ability to speak and communicate with dead people to assist in crime solving. Let's just leave it at that. And it's a very good page-turning book, which is not a surprise if you've read Stephen King. Um, I started this show on Peacock, which is an, a little bit of an older show, maybe within the past year and a half. It's called Wolf Like Me, starring Josh Gad and Isla Fisher. It's about, I'm only two episodes in, but I love it so far. Josh Gad is romantically interested in Isla Fisher, who turns out to be a werewolf, hence Wolf Like Me. And uh, I suspect it's going to be about how their potential relationship develops when, in fact, she's a werewolf and not capable of having a normal traditional relationship. A very good show. Been watching Cobra Kai on Netflix. I have one episode left of the newest season. It's fantastic as always. Uh, also on Netflix, the movie Man from Toronto with Kevin Hart and Woody Harrelson. Very fun movie. Saw that. And a, a movie called Do Revenge. Have you seen this on Netflix? It's in the top 10. Stars Maya Hawke from Stranger Things. And another very talented actress. I forget her name from... Uh, the TV show Riverdale, which is kind of an updated version for the 21st century of uh, Cruel Intentions, the movie starring Sarah Michelle Gellar and Freddie Prince. And Sarah Michelle Gellar herself is in the movie. And it's about uh, teenage girls, basically, that look to get revenge, hence do revenge and the crazy antics that ensue. So those are my recommendations for you. If I had to choose one, I would highlight the book later and Wolf Like Me. Those are the two I, I, I would check out. If I had to choose one, I'd tell you two. Got it. Let me narrow that down to one, but here's three. <laughs> That's right. I got 80, 80 stuff we love recommendations. My recommendations do none of them. Sounds right. I mean, I and it, it, just really quick, because it's over, I started Better Call Stall. Oh, sweet. And did you like it? Oh, yes. I'm about eight episodes in. Um, I really enjoy. Um, Good. I, it, I like how it's not what you think it's going to be. Yeah, I need to watch. I never, never watched that. I started Kenobi. Got halfway through that. I'm enjoying that one. Okay, great. There's so much to watch recently. I don't know if you guys feel that way, but between movies and TV shows, and October has so much Halloween stuff coming out. It's just like endless, endless entertainment. And of yeah, course, you got sports. Uh, my wife October and daughter. Yeah, it sports is taking front and center for me. My my wife and daughter are really enjoying Hocus Pocus too. I think uh, okay. I've seen it three times already, and wow. it was just released on Thursday. Um, and I've so, never seen Hocus Pocus one. It's it's funny because I, I was just I was just talking with this um, with nine ninety nine Happy Hops on Twitter. Shout out, 
it's very much a tween movie before tween movies were a thing. It, you know, it was that kind of Disney Channel afternoon movie with a little bit bigger budget because of the actors that they got working in it. Um, but but it, it's it's in that feel. So unless you saw it when you were like maybe under 20 or you're in a mood where you could enjoy something like that, you're probably not going to like it. And you're definitely not going to watch the second because it's more of the same. Right. So if you don't like it's intentionally kitschy. Yes, it's and it's funny because it goes from kitschy to serious back to kitschy to goofy. Yeah. Back to serious. And for some people, it's oh, I just want X. They want a goofy movie, no pun intended. Um, or they want something that is, oh no, if, if we want witches, we want like, you know, actual witches. We want the coven. The craft. Craft. That yeah. too. Fears a bulk. All right, guys. Well, on that note, I think we've gone long, which is okay. So, oh, after after you edit out all our shenanigans, this episode will be 15 10 minutes. So um, would you guys like to give any plugs? Why don't we start with Paul? Uh, currently, I'd like to plug the Buffalo Bills, who are 3-1, and one, um, technically in second place, but they play the rookie Kenny Pickett at home uh, this coming Sunday. Uh, we, we like to welcome local boy. He actually was quarterback at my daughter's high school. Um, and his sister is my daughter's soccer coach. So, um, I'm very sorry. It's going to be a sad day in the Pickett family, but good for him for making the starting job. And where can we find you on Twitter? Oh, yo, Paulie NJ on Twitter. Uh, Nick, do you want to give your Twitter handle? Uh, at Nick Waymania on right. Twitter. Um, Apparently, I'm on a podcast called Butter and Bacon that never releases episodes. There will be a return. Returning champion podcast will be coming back soon. We'll talk about my one day at uh, Disneyland uh, Paris. One day at Disney. That sounds like a good promo. I'm running out of battery power. (laughs) Let's go long. Go long. Stretch. Um, (laughs) Dean, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, I you can find me on Twitter at ct underscore mickey underscore man at aiot travel for the travel agency at butter and bacon for the soon to return podcast uh, at judge just hit his sixty second home run tonight for <laughs> Yankee fans at the five hundred or better New York Jets for a win against Squish the Fish this week uh, all those things are, are things to celebrate in October. All right, I'll do this quickly because the battery power for whatever reason is quickly dwindling. You can find me on Twitter at ScottyBoy4, Stuff We Love Podcast on Twitter at Stuff We Love Pod, Instagram Stuff We Love Podcast. Our website is www.stuffwelovepodcast.podbean.com. There you can find links to all of our prior episodes. You can write to us, stuffwelovepodcast at gmail.com. Check out our YouTube page for our videos and more. You can see recent videos from my summer trip to Orlando. And uh, if you haven't done so already, please leave us those good five-star reviews and subscribe to us on all podcast platforms. And with that, gentlemen, thank you again, as always. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me, Scott. Always fun. And so before we head out for the night, just want to say that we're thinking of all of our Florida friends who were affected by Hurricane Ian. A lot of our listeners are down in Florida. We have a lot of friends there. And uh, the state has been badly devastated by the storm. So uh, donate if you can. And uh, we're all thinking of you and wishing you all a quick and successful recovery. And with that, let's go around the table one more time. I'm Scott. I'm Paulie. I'm Dean. I'm Nick. And this has been the Stuff We Love podcast. <laughs>